Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I have such a treat in store for you. You know, this is called The Brave Place because we're all about talking about people who are brave. And I am sitting here with one of the bravest people I know. When we talk about bravery, I'm talking about moxie. And the word moxie, you know, defined in Webster's Dictionary, I looked it up because I just, I, I think this is such an important word. The term moxie means to pull up roots and go to a land where the culture and probably the language are totally foreign. In other words, guts. And that's what we're talking here with Becky Schaefer. She is with Saving Grace and they are just doing some phenomenal things. They are out of Rogers, Arkansas, and I cannot wait for you to meet Becky and hear about her story. Becky, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm happy to be here with you and Shaggy. (laughs) Yes, Shaggy, he's he's hanging in there and I know he's happy to be with us because he's probably pretty embarrassed by by his outer wear nowadays. And, And just so you know, for those of you listening, Shaggy, he gets his name honestly because he is extremely a shaggy dog. And uh, if you've ever seen the movie, The Shaggy Dog, that's what we named him after because he looks just like that shaggy. But my husband decided to give him a haircut and it went a little too cray cray. And now shaggy is he's naked. He he is so (laughs) naked. No, my son, my six year old son actually said that he said shaggy's naked. And I was like, yes, he is. Well, I am just so excited and I know everyone listening is in for a treat. And if you are struggling to get some deep moxie going on in your life because you've got stuff happening and you just need that extra push and some inspiration, you want to stick around for this because that is what we're talking about today. And and Becky, um, will you just tell us, you know, where you came from? where you were raised, what happened, how you were raised. Just tell us your story. So um, when I was a little girl, I lived in Mena, Arkansas, um, just uh, south of here a few hours. And I grew up in a broken home. Uh, My father uh, was absent most of the time. Um, But when he did come home, there was always trouble. Uh, My mother, uh, when my father finally left for the last time, uh, became, she was mentally ill. She is mentally ill, just became violently abusive. Um, So there were, uh, there were days when she was completely checked out and in bed all the time. And then there were days when she was very engaged, but it was always violence. Um, we were very poor, uh, people talk about food insecurity and truly, uh, it is, it is something that happens today. It happened in my life as a child. And so I would go, my, my siblings and I would go days without eating. Uh, oftentimes we wouldn't eat unless school was in session. Um, and we didn't have backpacks or and the snack packs back then. Um, mm. so it was a really, uh, difficult time in my life as a little girl, but I also, um, as messed up as everything was, my mother took us to church. 
And so sometimes, yeah. So sometimes we would, you know, things are really horrible at home, but I would get on the church bus. If she didn't go, then I got on the church bus. And so early in my life, I had a really firm foundation, uh, with the Lord. And there was a point where somebody, um, I remember probably in Sunday school, um, where I heard that, that God would never leave us or forsake us. And so as a little girl during those times when my mother was violently abusive, I always felt that the Lord was near me. She would go and lay down and I would wait until I heard her breathing, you know, that she was deep uh, breathing in sleep. Um, And I would sneak out to the backyard and I, a lot of times I would swing. I lived in the projects and I would swing and talk to God. Many times I would wander the woods as if it was my own. I would, I would play out there for hours by myself and talk to the Lord, Mm -hmm. just always talk Mm -hmm. to him. Many times I would ask him for new mom and dad, new brothers and sisters and horses. And hey, so everybody wants a asking, horse. Yes, you might as well just not? go ahead and, and ask for everything if you're asking. Eventually, uh, I was taken away from my mother um, when I was about 12 years old. And that was through a series of, um, we had a social worker who was really feisty and that I didn't like. <laughs> Um, but she was always good to us. She always brought food. She always, um, checked on us. Um, I remember one time at Christmas, um, we were living in a house without electricity or indoor plumbing. And it wasn't because it was so long ago. It was just because we were impoverished. And, um, I, it was Christmas Eve and there were, we had a long driveway and there were headlights coming down the drive. And my mother was terrified. She was already hiding. Uh, my, my little brother was an infant and, um, she was already hiding in the, you know, back in the back of the house with him and telling us all to hide. And I couldn't stop looking out the window. And so I looked out the window and, and suddenly the car parked and the doors opened and it was Mrs. Brewer. And I, I said, it's Mrs. Brewer. And, um, mama was so scared. She was just terrified that she was coming to get us and take us from her on Christmas Eve. And she actually went around the back of her car and pulled out a Christmas tree and presents. And so she brought all that in. Wow. And, um, so she was good. She was a good, good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She took care of us, but I ended up starting to get into trouble with the law. Um, at a young age, I would be arrested for just different things, brought in for different things. And Mrs. Brewer would come in and just lay into me verbally. She never hit me Uh, verbally. Just, you know, I'd be sitting in that jail cell and the police officers were very kind and they would bring me food and tell me, you know, how they would feel if this was their child. And, you know, I wonder how your mom must be so scared. And I remember thinking she doesn't care. She doesn't know where I'm at. She doesn't care where I'm at, you know, as a kid. Um, And anyway, I ended up uh, at one point running away and being put in a place uh, in Cecil, Arkansas. I ended up running away from that facility um, as a 12 year old. And um, you, you broke out of jail. Oh, yeah. You, you were 12. You're breaking out. I was in so much trouble. I was so much. I was so much trouble. I wasn't in trouble. I was just a little stinker. Um, and so I remember Mrs. Brewer calling and at telling me, you have two choices. You can either go to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, to the reform school is what they called it then, but it's like a jail for kids is what it is. I either had that or I could go to a children's home in Northeast Oklahoma. And so I 
chose the children's home. I didn't really know. I just knew it wasn't a prison and, mm-hmm. you know, it was kids could play and stuff. And so, so basically this was kind of a, a rehabilitation type. They're tr- they, they see you, this 12 year old who is getting into trouble left and right. Yes. What can we do with her? Yes. We can either send her to the reform place, which mm-hmm. is really another jail or a, a new home. Yes. The day I got to the children's home, it was a Wednesday. And um, I remember what I had on my body. I remember the jeans I had on, the shirt I had on. I remember who I met still to this day. Mm. And that was in 81. Mm. So that's been a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember what we ate in the dining hall at the children's home. And I remember getting a new mom and dad and brothers and sisters in this house that I was being put in. And then I remember being at the playground before we went to church on Wednesday night and hearing something in the distance. And as it got closer, I realized it was a man on a horse. And so, and I got to ride that horse and I got to ride other horses while I was there. Um, And for me, it was like, and it would be years later before I realized that God gave me everything that my little heart desired um, down to horses, Mm. (laughs) you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up going to school there because they had a uh, school on campus and going, you know, I went from really horrible grades. I dropped out of school when I was in seventh grade um, before I got sent to the children's home and had to do seventh grade again. And I remember, you know, I felt so stupid. I just felt backward and like dumb, like I needed to be in special education, that kind of thing, and was in special education when I was at home with my mother to going to regular classes and making good grades and, you know, and, and doing fine in -hmm. school. So what did that do for you self-esteem wise? Oh goodness. It it was, um, I felt like maybe I could do more than, than the generation, but there was at least dreams in front of me and, and possibilities where, um, I, I, I could be on a college track if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I remember visiting my family when I was at that children's home and looking at them going, I don't know how my life is going to be different, but it is not going to look like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I hadn't had t- had so much time away from them, it would have still been very familiar to me. Right. It probably would yeah. have continued. And we yeah. have a we have a saying at Saving Grace that they can't be what they can't see. And so for me to be able to see a new, something different, watching, you know, men and women be married and have children in these lives functioning together in this place, um, uh, people were loving and kind. Nobody was getting hit or beat. I mean, it just was such a different thing. Nobody was getting yelled at. Everything mm-hmm. was so calm. It's a whole new world. Yeah, it You're was like- so different. So I go to college, All everything I own goes with me. But I remember there was a point when my biological father died. And I went to his funeral because I was curious not because I was grieving. But I remember going to his funeral and it was really like I opened the floodgates of all the things that ever happened to me as a child. And I wanted to die. Mm. Um, I was always very angry. For In my 20s, I was a very angry person. Um, I was also very happy and joyful to be around, but also I was very angry because mm. I was dealing with depression, didn't know how to deal with it. And so when you're dealing with depression, you don't actually go get help. I finally went to uh, a pastor uh, for some counseling, just for some advice some talk. I would go see him once a week for six months. Um, and it was one of the longest and most difficult journeys of my life, but I'm so thankful I did it. You know, I wouldn't call myself a student of the word by any stretch of the imagination, but that was really when I began to trust God at his word, like his holy word. 
And so that was, for me, that was a turning point. And, and basically what I did was I made a timeline of my life and I chose to forgive every person who sinned against me. There was a point where I realized that Jesus died for my sins, but he also died for the sins done unto me. Mm. I got really angry about that. That was probably the one time in my life I got really angry at the Lord where I went like, dude, yeah, <laughs> holy father, yeah. I do not understand this. Yeah. Um, and so I had to work through that. And, and I, I'd really, truly, I'm not sure that we're capable as humans mm-hmm. of forgiveness mm-hmm. um, without the father. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so angry and so hurt. And I had to intentionally forgive these people. Mm-hmm. And when I did, there's a quote by Bishop T.D. Jakes that I absolutely love. And it says, when God restores you, he does so in such a way that suddenly you're walking in the light and you can't recall how dark your life has been. Mm, and that powerful. is what happened in my life through that forgiveness journey. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Well, and, and I, I think there's so much wisdom in what you're saying. And there are people listening right now that hear you and mm-hmm. they are like, Becky, I hear you. I know I need to forgive. I'm walking around with all this junk trapped inside of me. I don't know what to do, how to get it out. Mm-hmm. And how can I forgive? Like, what would you say to someone who, who was saying that to you today? I, I think it's okay that you don't feel like you can forgive. I, I, I really true, truly believe it's humanly impossible for us to do that without the Lord. Um, and I remember in my young adulthood saying, I, I forgive. I don't need to forgive them. They really didn't do anything that bad. Or I don't even care. I don't care about those people. I don't need to forgive them. They're out of my life. But the truth is we have to forgive. We have to go back and dig in those wounds and, and deal with it. And then God, when he restores you, he does it in a way that you can't recall. You can't recall. And so when you, you know, you've truly forgiven when you've seen, when you see that person and all those things want to well up inside you, but there's nothing to well up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, you can't even go back and dig up anything from the past that they've done to hurt you mm-hmm. because you've truly forgiven them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a dear friend, her name is Jackie. And I remember one time hearing her share her story and talking about, um, when we don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I can relate to that so much just in my own journey. You know, I come from an addictive background, especially alcoholism. And one of the things whenever I was getting sober that I had to learn how to do is forgive. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's so funny that you say Jackie, because the woman who influenced my life, her name was Jackie. And, um, she just took me through these steps of working on forgiveness. That truly was the key to Mm -hmm. me experiencing freedom. And, and one of the things I did was I had to pray Mm -hmm. for this person. Mm -hmm. And I say persons, um, And as I would pray and I would say, Lord, search my heart, Mm -hmm. see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Mm -hmm. That is a verse in the Bible. And, um, and as I started praying for this other person, I started experiencing and understanding how they too are broken Mm -hmm. and, and basically hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. The more I started to have compassion and empathize with this person who had hurt me, Mm -hmm. um, I was more apt to forgive. 
I think one of the hardest things for me in forgiving was realizing, like feeling all that freedom, like it's so much weight lifted off of you. Mm-hmm. It, it's really like you can run because yeah. the shackles have been taken off. And um, it's like a holy redemption, you know. Mm. And uh, but I remember the first time I realized I had to forgive again. Mm. And I'm like, oh. Oh, this stinks. Mm-hmm. And and it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. It does. It becomes mm-hmm. easier as you learn to forgive and you learn to truly hand it over to the Lord. But then there's been times in my life since then. I mean, I'm almost 50. Mm. And so that was when I was 30. There's been times in my life since then that I've gone, oh my gosh, I can feel the seed of bitterness, mm. which is not from God. Yeah, Those fears and anxieties and things that come from that, those insecurities that just speak into your heart, that that's all really related Mm -hmm. to not letting go of those things. Mm -hmm. And so there's times when I've had to go back to almost to square one and go, God, I need to get my heart naked before you again. Absolutely. And really be, he already knows all those things, Mm -hmm. confessing those things to him Mm -hmm. and going, this person hurt me so deeply. I really don't want to ever see him again. I don't Mm -hmm. wish them harm or anything, but God, I'd really like to not have to see them again. That's when you really know (laughs) there's some forgiving to do. Sure. And it can happen. It just takes, I think that we have to be super intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's, it's important to say too, this is, this is not easy. We're not just Mm-mm. saying, Hey, go forgive and you'll be free. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a, a process of looking inward, mm-hmm. looking upward with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to say too, that, mm-hmm. you know, so much of this counseling that I received during that time was, it was pastoral. And so, um, which I believe in so much, but I also believe that Christian counselors can do exactly the same thing. And something that he did for me was every week he sent me home with a passage that was like, if I was dealing with something, Mm -hmm. if I was dealing with old thoughts and those, uh, you know, things that just continue to play in my head, he, and he would, he would point out, take every thought captive and he Mm -hmm. would send me home with the scripture. And, and so I, I want to just stress because I think sometimes when we're in situations like this, where we're, you know, we're speakers or bloggers or doing the podcasts and things like that, that people that are listening may think, oh, I cannot, I can't do that because I don't get up at 5 a.m. and read my Bible or I don't, you know, I don't do all these things. And mm-hmm. I want you to understand and everybody that's listening, I don't get up at 5 a.m. and read my Bible. If I'm up at 5 a.m., it's because I'm going to go to the bathroom or <laughs> drink, I'm going to drink a cup of coffee or something. It is not because I'm I'm up being with the Lord. He knows this about me. He created me the way I am. Mm -hmm. I used to apologize for it all the time. And he reminded me, he created me a certain way. Mm -hmm. I'm not an early, I I rise early, but it's usually to drink coffee for an hour before I actually get up and move (laughs) so that you can operate. My (laughs) eyes can't function at five o'clock in the morning. So, but I used to, because I looked up to women, you know, other women for so long, I thought the only way I could really be close to the Lord was to do this thing that they do, you know, reading your Bible through. Those are wonderful things. Mm -hmm. I don't want Mm to dismiss them or make Mm -hmm. light of them or even come across like I'm making fun of that. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You need to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. I memorize scripture that I can't quote right now because I'm on the spot, but there are things that I memorized during that journey because I was in it every day Mm -hmm. because it was the food for my soul when I thought I was going to die. Sure. You know, so I... I think there's, I think there, it's so important that we all know that we can't compare ourselves to this one's relationship or the way this one does her thing or that person does, or he does that. We, we all have space that I think God, 
you know, equipped us to operate in Mm -hmm. and we have to find what works for us. Absolutely. And I love that. And and it's just recognizing too, that God made us each different Mm -hmm. and he has the absolute capacity to receive and speak to us, you know, both ways, communication and all these unique ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he didn't create, if he wanted us all to operate the same way, he would have created us all Mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I appreciate you saying that so much, uh, the power of forgiveness and, and you know, that verse in James five sixteen it says, confess your sins one to another mm-hmm. and pray for each other mm-hmm. so that you will be healed and, and bitterness and resentment. That is a sin. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a normal human reaction to things that happen to us, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean we need to sit there. And it's, it's because God wants us to be free right. it's for freedom that he set right. us free. And, and um, I just, I believe in releasing those resentments so much because of what it's done in my own mm-hmm. life. And, and it's mm-hmm. so apparent in what it's mm-hmm. done in your life. Now, to me, Becky, you are one of the bravest people I know. Thank you. Now, I want to ask you this. Is there somebody that comes to mind for you? Like, who is the bravest person that you know? Um, I think right now I would say the bravest girl or woman that I know right now is my 14-year-old daughter. Mm. Um, she spoke truth about a boy, uh, in school who did some things that he shouldn't have, um, to her, towards her, um, very, very sexually explicit and inappropriate. And she told the truth and she didn't just tell the truth. She stood up and told the truth. And she, um, talked to, uh, other adults who maybe wanted to sort of like dismiss it as boys will be boys kind of thing. Mm. And she said, no, no boys aren't supposed to act this way. And Mm. she stood up for herself. And, and in doing that, you know, I think about when I was 14, I probably couldn't have done that. Mm. I couldn't have, um, when I was 14, I was a lot like her, but I was not near as brave. I was Mm. pretty terrified at times and I survived living in my own little world almost. Um, and she just, she's brave for all of us. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of her. One of the um, passages that has been like um, something I've gone to so much over the last few months, especially is Isaiah 43, one through three. And I put my name where it says Israel, because really it's that's the, you know, his his chosen people, but we're his chosen people because of Jesus. So it's really written for you and me. And it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Becky and Christy and everybody listening, he forms you, Becky Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's pretty much my go-to right now. Amen. And you're on mine. I can look at you and I can think of a, a thousand brave things that I see in your life. Mm-hmm. But when you think about yourself, what would you say in your mind is the bravest thing you've ever done? Um, I, there's been a lot of things that I've done afraid. And there are so many things that I feel like that I could say that would be like, yes, yes, those are those are all those things. I, I think probably one of the bravest things I ever did was to tell the truth about abuse that I had, um, that I suffered as a child, um, and losing the people that came with him in the package of 
quote unquote family. Mm. And so to be able to say, I, I, I'm not okay with this. What happened when I was a child was truly one of the most terrifying things that I'd ever done as a, as an adult. Um, and so I spoke truth into lies that had been covered up for years and years and then doing so then I gave other women brave hearts to go and speak what had happened to them on his watch as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I think that there's a lesson there for everyone listening. Um, it, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What would you say to someone listening about that? Um, Who, who's on the cusp? Like <laughs> they need to tell. Yeah, I think the hard. I think the hard thing is all the what ifs, all the all the things that could happen, and you don't want to run people's lives. And you just, you know, had such a victim mentality of he could have done so much more to me. And if I tell, his life's going to be ruined. If I tell, I'm going to lose everybody that I love. All of those things. Um, I made sure first. I spoke it out loud to my husband first. And he wanted to protect me physically. And so, um, but he also then heard my heart's cry for him to just chill out. And, and it was in a moment where I was frustrated and I said it out loud. And then it's like, once it's out, it's out. Um, and so I knew I couldn't just sit on it after that. And I knew it was wrong. And it really took a counselor. Um, I went through counseling before I ever spoke the truth. I went through um, several weeks of counseling um, with my husband in the room with me. And, um, and it wasn't until the counselor had me close my eyes and imagine this man doing to my children, my daughters, what he did to me. That was when I got angry. That's when I went, Oh no, it was not okay. It was not okay. I just would encourage number one, to get people around you. Um, and to know that God has you in all of this, just like that passage, Isaiah 43 says one through three, I think is what it is. He's not going to let you get burned up. He's not going to let the waters take you, you know, sweep you over and, and destroy you. He's just not going to. Becky, thank you for joining us for this part one of our time with you. So in part two, we'll stay on the moxie train with Becky and we will learn how God has taken a dream in her heart and brought it into fruition. I want you to listen to of our next meetup with Becky. Take a listen. Several years ago, we started going, okay, what can we do? And what has God equipped us to do for girls in particular? And um, that's when he just started planting those seeds in our heart to do something like we're doing with Saving Grace. If you have a dream in your heart, I can't wait for you to join us next time with Becky. And now let me leave you with the final brave word and challenge of today's podcast. As we've listened to Becky's story, it is clear that God can take a situation that seems impossible and turn it into limitless opportunities. And one of the key elements I want to zoom in on in Becky's healing and restoration is the power of forgiveness. In the parable, the unmerciful servant, Peter comes to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 77 is not a magic number. Earlier translations say 70 times seven or 490. It was simply Jesus's way of saying forgiveness is infinite. It's endless. Jesus does that for us too, doesn't he? God's word says to be kind to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. 
Now, let me say this. I know forgiveness is not easy. I held resentments personally in my heart for over 15 years. But I can tell you, it wasn't until I confessed those resentments as I walked alongside a trusted follower of Christ, seeking God's wisdom and exploring the truth of my own heart, that I began to experience healing and a powerful restoration in Christ. It was surrendering to the possibility of letting God be in charge of the outcome and allowing myself to be free of the dark places of unforgiveness and what that created within my heart. It was holding me back from experiencing a freedom I had never known existed. It took humility and honesty. And let me tell you, as scary as it can be, every bit of it is worth it. So my brave challenge for you today is this. Is there someone you're struggling to forgive? Is someone's actions from the past or even current actions holding you hostage keeping you chained from being free and experiencing the deep joy and peace our father wants to lavish on you. What if forgiveness, just like in Becky's life, opens the doors to limitless possibilities that God is waiting to share with you? Bitterness and resentment only hold us back. Like Becky mentioned, resentments are like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. Again, I know it's not easy, but I also know it's absolutely worth it. Think about it. Pray about it. Just give God a shot to work that out in your life. Thank you again for joining us at The Brave Place. Have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.